Would you join me in the prayer for illumination? Let us pray. Guiding God, without the presence of your Holy Spirit, we would be lost on this journey. Come to us in this place as we gather to hear your word. Open our hearts to receive your word and our minds to understand it. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 15 to 17 and 19 through 20. Hear these words. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What do you think God is on about? God is into giving away God. <laughs> that's, all, that's all God's doing is giving away God. There's nothing else. There's, that's God's job description. I want to give away some more God. <laughs> and I, God is trying through every metaphor, every act of creation, every moment of time to reveal a little more of God. And darn it, God has the hardest time giving away God. It's like we create barriers and obstacles and, and you know, racetracks and... It just breaks your heart, and I'm sorry, I'm a priest, but the worst ones are clergy <laughs> because it keeps us in business. I, I know I'm talking cynically, but it keeps us in business to keep explaining the obstacles and the racetrack and the, well, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to believe, and you got to read this translation of the Bible, and the true Greek says this, and, and it's everywhere, it's all the time. So. A good teacher is basically not telling people what to see, but teaching people how to see. And all you got to do is teach people how to see, and then they'll see it. If we had taught people how to see, which means largely getting your own agenda out of the way, your own fear, your own anger, your own limitations, it, it means you got to become very small and very humble and recognize that my seeing is always partial always partial and what's in the way is me once someone learns that it's like that man who drove to visit me this morning I don't know anything I don't know anything <laughs> and then I see everything if you can keep that My name is Rhonda Taylor. I serve here as um, in, uh, as adult assimilation and in pastoral care. I didn't say that earlier, so I was reminded. 
Um, the person that you just saw on uh, this clip was Richard Rohr. Uh, he is one of my favorites. He speaks to my soul. He's a Franciscan priest in uh, New Mexico, and he's the founder of the Center for Action and Contemplation. Uh, he has been a teacher in the practices of contemplation and self-emptying. Uh, he has a radical compassion, especially for those that are socially ma marginalized. He's written several books, he lectures, he teaches, you can find him on YouTube. Um, and he also puts out a daily devotion, which I follow uh, because I need devotion in my life and not always do I have an upper room with me. Uh, but lately, y'all know that I love the Enneagram, um, his devotions have been related to the Enneagram. Uh, I would recommend him highly. So before I get started, I thought that we would pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for another day to celebrate you in worship. What a privilege it is to gather and hear your word proclaimed. Oh God, rescue me from me and hide me behind the cross so what is heard is your word in spite of anything I say or I do. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I have a friend um, that used to live here, and she moved. Her and her husband, I know that y'all are shocked about that, that anybody had moved from our community, but she moved. And, uh, but I would go over to her house quite frequently, and she had a big living room. And in that living room was a game table. And this game table had a puzzle. And what that puzzle was was an invitation to anybody that stopped by to pick up a piece and see where it fit. And so often I would go over there and we would talk a little bit and I would stop by that table and I'd pick up a piece and see where it fit. And as I was thinking about um, the scripture and what we were talking about today, I was thinking, isn't that kind of like our faith life? We're trying to see where it all fits. We don't see it all yet and we don't have the box to set up and go, oh, that's a tree, that's a lion, that's a whatever. So what's important, since we don't have that picture, is maybe to think about our faith and understand how um, some of the things fit. So in order for us to understand our faith, there's certain tenets within the faith that we need to know. So taking time to pause and learn those faith tenets is pretty important. And where do our lives fit in there? It's like a puzzle. How do we begin? Well, first we need a center. So what do you think that the center is for the Christian faith? Not a rhetorical question. What do you think? Great. That's always the best answer. Remember that, y'all. Sunday school answer. Christ, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Yes, the triune God. So the focus should be on Christ. Now, Macy did a great job of reading this morning, and I appreciate you, Macy, so much. But y'all know that I love Eugene Peterson. I like the way that he frames things. And so I'd like to read just that first part again from Colossians, 
verse 15 in the message. We look at the sun and see God who cannot be seen. We look at the sun and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started with him and finds his purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it together right up to this moment. So this is what the Christian faith is centered on. The living God revealed in Jesus Christ, our Messiah. So for clarity's sake, if y'all didn't hear that before, the center of our faith is Christ. But also, the Christian faith is personal. We are grounded in this physical world that God created, and then God entered the world through Christ. God became a human entering the physical universe, and God conquered death so that all creation would be fully restored and it would be complete. So redemption is happening all over the world through people, through creation, the universe, everything. Christian faith is personal because it's also focused on a person, Jesus Christ, who was resurrected. And that person requires a personal commitment. So Christian faith is about God becoming human in Jesus and entering the world to restore it wholly and fully. Christian faith is centered on Christ, personal, but it's also relational. It's relational because in this journey, our relationship with God is restored. You see, we become alienated from God and from others and from nature. This alienation is spiritual, is psychological, is social, it's environmental, so it affects everything. So through the Christian faith, each of those alienations is healed. God reaches out to us through the gift of grace. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, but it's a gift from God. Christian faith is also relational because we cannot do it as an isolated Christian. Faith happens in a community. Faith happens in a community. Salvation is happening to us personally, but it's also happening to us as a community. So faith is centered, it's personal, it's relational, but it also requires a response. God seeks us, God desires a relationship with us, but God does not manipulate, force or coerce. So God is always moving toward us, but God is not gonna take that last step. That's up to us. There's an element of trust and obedience from us to respond in God's gracious gift of love. 
Christian faith is about complete trust as a response to God. Obedience is not only a direct consequence, but it is also the evidence of true faith. So, Rhonda, what is all this? Well, this is a teaching sermon, and if my teaching, if my uh, preaching professor was here, she would say, you aren't supposed to do that. But I did, because I'm also a Christian educator. Where do these puzzles fit? A witness shares the truth about what they have seen, what they have heard, what they have learned, what they have experienced. You don't have to have all the answers to share your faith. You don't have to have all the answers to share your faith. What people want to hear from you is how God has made a difference in your life. They want to hear your heart, not the 12 points to becoming a better Christian. So where has God shown up in your story? One of the things that happened to me this semester, and uh, for those of y'all that don't know, I'm going to seminary, yes, at my age, because I serve a God who believes that if you are breathing, you are doing something. And at this point in my life, when several of my friends are retiring, I'm in seminary. That's hilarious. I serve a God that is also very funny. And one of the things that I have to do is uh, I have to do uh, Lectio... Uh, I have to do Visio Divina. And some of you may be familiar with Lectio Divina. Lectio Divina is whenever you read a passage, you read it slowly, and you read it like three times, and, and you ponder and absorb what God has for you in that. Well, this semester, uh, my professor wanted us to do Visio Divina. Uh, and I'm not a photographer. <laughs> um, and I appreciate for, uh, photographers very much. But I've had to stop and look at things differently. And I've had to believe, number one, that I was a photographer. Um, and this right here is Bridwell Library. It's in the evening, because usually whenever I go to school at SMU, it's starting to get dark. Um, and it just, it surprised me of the colors, the darkness, but yet the colors of the sky. And so, I don't know why I took that, I just did. But the next one is even more interesting. Um, every time I drive to Dallas, y'all, it rains. Every time. And this week, I flew because I had to be back for recertification. So I flew up there. I didn't have my umbrella. And so I'm running across the parking lot. And I come up to this, which this is a labyrinth. It's between two halls. Uh, it's between Protho and Selectman. And if you look at this labyrinth, it's very, very um, stark. All there is is the labyrinth and those benches. And so it's very inviting, because whenever you walk that labyrinth, all you are doing is you and God. And whenever I ran up to it and I, I stopped, I just stared at it f for a moment. And I began to think about my life, you know, running from thing to thing. I, work full-time, I go to school full-time, I'm teaching a Bible study, I'm starting another Bible study, I'm going to teach a children's Bible study, and so I lose Sabbath. And as some of the people on my committee told me this week, you can't always do that. At some point, you've got to stop. You, you, you can't sustain that. And so I've tried to find Sabbath moments. 
And so in this moment, I took this in black and white. I know, Tom, you're gonna be really, really proud of me. I did it in black and white because I wanted to see the starkness between the light and the gradations between dark and light. And I just had a Sabbath moment there. Now, I would love to tell you I know the person that I'm going to share this with, but I don't know. But I'm telling you that God will put somebody in my life that I will need to share this story with. And that's what God invites you to do. Not open up your Bible and hit them over the head with your large-level, red-lettered King James Version but to share your heart and to share what God has done in your life and hopefully give them hope about what God will do in their life. And if that's not what you're supposed to do, how about another gift? How about a gift of listening? Whenever I started doing CPE, I had to learn to listen. I didn't listen. I listened to you to respond. So what you were saying, I was already in my mind, you know, I'm going to say this to them, I'm going to say that to them. And there's a gift in just listening to somebody without that response, maybe reflecting back, this is what I've heard. That's beautiful, because how many times are you listened to in a day? How many times do you listen to somebody else? What was even more sobering to me is how many times did I miss listening to my children? And even now, with my adult children, I have to stop and have to think, I don't need to be mom, I need to listen. How might you share your faith? If you don't know, come and talk to Josh, talk to Anthony, talk to me, talk to your small group leader, talk to another person here that you uh, have seen demonstrated uh, a matured faith life. Invite somebody to one of our softball games. This is a neat place. I mean, Josh isn't going to give a sermon. We're going to play softball. We're going to eat. We're going to go home. Invite them to common table. It's going to be at Jasmine Hall on the 27th. I'll be glad to talk to y'all more about that. Have them come when we bag beans and rice. We're going to do Serve Sunday on uh, March the 21st. I don't know if y'all have ever noticed how it is to be with somebody and do something, a lot of sharing gets done. It doesn't have to be in a classroom. It doesn't have to be whenever you crack open your Bible. It can be very organic. I want you to imagine that table with all the puzzle pieces on it. They're being perfectly placed by you, by others, by God to make a beautiful scene. I wonder what that's going to look like. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.